Up for the Baseline podcast. And today I have my really good friend with me, Ebony. She is an amazing athlete. She's been to the Olympics for bobsledding and she's currently training for uh, weightlifting, Olympic weightlifting to qualify for, uh, well, she's qualified for Worlds, um, but to qualify for the Commonwealth Games. How are you doing, Eb? Good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, have you been training very hard over the last few weeks? <sighs> yes, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> um, the last few since I can remember, to be honest. The last few years have been very intense. Yeah, yep. Um, I mean, well, at least the last year i guess after coming back from surgery but um yeah we'll get, i mean we'll get into the surgery bit why don't um you kind of give us a little bit of a rundown on how your athletic career started yep so i started in track and field i was a sprinter started little athletics when i was about eight years old um and I pretty quickly discovered I could run fast, so <laughs> everything else <laughs> didn't uh, really matter too much to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so by the time I was like 12, 13, I was sort of making state teams and um, you know, working towards nationals and things like that. So from a pretty young age, I was, I was training, you know, most, most afternoons of the week. Yeah. Um, yeah, I specialised in 100 and 100 metre hurdles. Yeah, and how far did you take that? Like, you qualified for nationals. What did you, how far did you go with your running? Um, I won nationals a couple of times for 100 hurdles. I usually always medalled in the flat 100. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made a couple of, like, very junior international teams. One was like a you know Oceania type junior team. Yeah. Um, I missed out on Youth Olympics. I was because obviously they have it every four years. I was in the weird middle of the age bracket of the four years, so I was always just a bit too young for the team. Yeah. And then by the time I was not too young, I was too old. So, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, after that, I continued, I guess, till I was about 21, 22. I, um, running, just doing hurdles and running. Yeah, so just sprinting. Um, I mean, when I was younger, I did a couple of other events. You know, obviously, when you're younger, you can Try spread it. yourself across a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, no, I definitely mainly just specialise in 100, 100 hurdles, so... Yeah, continued that till I was at 21, 22, and that was when I got um, recruited to bobsledding. And you went straight into full-time training for bobsledding? Yeah, pretty much. So I had had a little bit of time off, about maybe sort of 12 months from sprinting. And I was just like studying and you know, finishing school and trying to start my adult life. So uh, training took a little bit of, um, I guess, a back foot for a little bit. Mm. But, yeah, I, I started to come back to train to compete again in sprinting and that's where, yeah, I just got picked up to um, start training. I had to try out, test against a bunch of other girls uh, for bobsledding and they kind of just contacted a lot of people in athletics and weightlifting and, and a bunch of other sports, you know, power sports. Um, that they thought might be suitable based on, you know, other results that they had seen from competition and things like that. And, yeah, my name popped up um, out of all the results and they contacted me via email and just said, hey, did you want to, you know, come and try out? At first I thought it was a bit of a joke. (laughs) 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 Women's uh, bobsled team in Australia. But, yeah, I mean, my track and field coach at the time was like, well, why not? You know, you know, you never know. You might be all right. And, yeah, five years later, I um, ended up in bobsledding and went to the Winter Olympics. So, Was that ever your intention? Like when you first started training for bobsledding, were you like, oh, this is where we're going to take this? We're going to go to the Olympics? Um, to be honest, I guess they were recruiting 
to push for the next Olympics. Yeah. So that that was always, I guess, the team intention was, yes, they were recruiting for Olympics. But I think for me, like, trying out and starting it, it was never really like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make Olympics. It was just kind of like, let's, I, don't, I don't, you know, I don't even, how do you run on ice? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Is it so, different? Is it different to running on land? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, just I guess the way that you have to run, you know, sprinting versus how you put. I, I guess obviously because there's the element of pushing as well with the yeah. sled. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot more. I guess with sprinting, you want minimal contact with the ground with every step. Yeah. Bobsledding and pushing, you want, you want actually a lot. Yeah, a lot of contact so that you can be putting all your force into the ground and pushing the sled essentially. So, yeah, kind of, kind of was a bit of a, a learning curve. Um, so, your training with bobsledding, though, how did that? Was that like a really big change from what you had been doing with athletics? Like, was it a lot more intense? Like, you went and trained overseas as well, didn't you? Yeah, so I guess all the sprinting stuff was still very similar, except um, a lot shorter. So all the distances we did, nothing ever really, you know, we sort of topped out at like 60 metre stuff. We didn't really need, um, you know, much speed endurance or anything like that. So the sprinting, running type stuff was was very similar, just a bit shorter. Um we still did a, a lot of like, you know, plyometric type, jumping, hopping, bounding, all of that sort of thing, which was very similar in sprinting. Mm. Um, I guess the thing that, that probably varied or ramped up a lot more in bobsledding versus sprinting was the weightlifting side of things because, um, you know, we needed to be a lot stronger and heavier and bigger. So, yeah, I guess it kind of threw in this extra element of more lifting weights where in sprinting, you know, you had to be careful to not really get too bulky or too big because it was so power to weight ratio where in bobsledding it was like, shit, if we weigh more, we're going to, you know, be more weight. Yeah, more weight in the sled. We're going to push, you know, weight moves weight. So we're going to push the sled better. We're going to add um, speed to our downtime. So, yeah, it was a bit of a transition in that sense as well. But um, I guess that that's training, In that training, that's where you first started doing Olympic weightlifting. Yeah, that's right. So I guess that is overall what brought me um, in the end to weightlifting. So element of like our – before we even got overseas on ice, mm. um, we had to do a bunch of athletic testing um, over here to sort of, I guess, um, put a bit of like – you know, ranking within the team. And then once we got overseas and were able to get on ice, then we would test on ice and then re-rank the team kind of thing. So um, the athletic testing involved, you know, all different sorts of sprints. Um, basically, we'd just do a 60-metre sprint, but they were the gated sprints where, you know, it would, it would pick up your first 20-metre split, your middle 20-metre split, and your last 20-metre split. Yeah. Um, and then we did, you know, like lots of standing long jump tests. We did a big, um, you know, over overhead shot put throw test. And then we did, you know, squat, deadlift. Um, and then that's where the Olympic lifting came in and we did a bit of power. It, nothing really like full movements, but a lot of power stuff. So a lot of power cleans, power snatch, push press type stuff. Um, yeah, and I guess then all of those sort of things, we had a point system and whoever accumulated the most points in the testing would, would be ranked the highest, basically. So, And then obviously that's where you got ranked and you were up the top with other people, with the other... Uh, yes, yeah. so when I first started, I um, did all the testing and I ranked the highest out of all the girls who were the playing highest. out at the time. Yeah, yep. So... Yeah, I was picked basically as first rank to head overseas and have a go. And then yeah, it's just a case of getting overseas and, you know, seeing if because nothing can really prepare you for, you know, actually doing it and running on ice and pushing a sled and jumping in and doing all those things. So, you know, you can test as well as you want, but you might get over there and, and actually hate it. So, 
yeah, I at least was in a good position to go over and, and give it a go. And yeah, I sort of stuck it out for the Olympic cycle. Um, now, when you were doing all of that testing, what were your strength numbers then? So this was, how old were you at this point? Oh, um, when I first started, like 22. Yeah. So what were your strength numbers? Like what was your deadlift and what was your squat? Yep, that's a good question. I think my <laughs> squat my squat was maybe like 125, 130. So you still had you had just naturally very strong legs when you were younger as well. Do you think that yeah. did you do a lot of squatting when you were sprinting though? Like were you doing that kind of training then? Um yes. So I did a lot of squatting, but it was never super heavy, I guess. But yeah. I think um, even just having done it from a relatively young age probably helped, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I think a lot of people move. Yeah, I think just being exposed to it, even though it was never like, um, you know, let's push this weight and see how, you know, how heavy you can go, how max you can go. Um, I think just being exposed to it definitely probably helped. Yeah. And, um, okay, so you did all of your training, you flew overseas. When you got overseas and you first started training, were you, were you like sold straight away or were you like, wow, this is a lot different than anything that I've ever done before? It's definitely a lot different. Um, it's a lot of work, you know, you get over there, you basically travel around in a van, you race in a different um, place or country every week. Yeah. Uh, we were on the World Cup circuit, so, you know, half of that's in Europe, half of it's in North America. Yeah. And you basically just, yeah, do a World Cup race, you get to a new place at the start of the week, by the end of the week you're racing. So. Yeah, there's a lot going on all the time. You are either sliding on the track and practicing for the race at the end of the week or you're in the gym, you know, doing weights, keeping that all up to date or you're on a track somewhere if it's not snowing and frozen over trying to um, <laughs> run and keep So there's a, there's a lot going on. It was a lot of hard work, but, I mean, a lot of character building too, to be honest. Um, just completely left field of anything I'd ever done before. You know, I'd been overseas and stuff before, but never like, you know, just gone and lived overseas and in all these different countries in Europe and North America for months at a time. So it was, um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty cool experience. And um, once you finally got to the Winter Olympics, how was that? Like, how was that experience? You know, being an Olympian is something that not a lot of people get the opportunity you know, to experience and it's um, definitely something that comes with a lot of years of sacrifice and when you finally got there, you know, what did it, how'd you feel? Um, yeah, look, to be honest, it was not um, <laughs> the sport I imagined I would end up at the Olympics for <laughs> um, after being a sprinter for so many years. But, yeah, I mean, Olympics is amazing. It's not comparable to anything else I think you know I've done now I've done a lot of international events at the time I've done you know the world champs with bobsledding a couple of times um you know even all the world cup circuits and things like that but I think Olympics just has this whole different buzz about it um yeah it's it's cool it's really cool you get to just you know yeah, actually, I guess you just, you finally sort of feel like you make it, you've made yeah. it when you get there, you know, you get there and, and everything is there for you and yeah, it's a really cool time. And you kind of, you, did you kind of just feel like this is like, like a bit of relief because you're like, this is what I've been working so hard for and now I finally get to experience it? Um, no, it's more exciting than relief, I think, you know, because you still get there and you've still got the race and, you know, there's still all the training ahead. Um, but yeah, it's for the most part, it's just super exciting and all the, you know, everything's just so set up 
for the athletes and, and geared towards the athletes and you just get there and yeah, it's just, it's just such a good time. Oh, and how did you guys go at the Olympics? Uh, we came 17th overall. So. Yeah. Wow. Out of how many teams? Um, by the time we get to Olympics, I think about 25. Yeah. Um, and once you went to the Olympics, did you come back and start training straight away or did you, is that at the point like you decided you wanted to do something else or, you know, what happened once you'd been to the Olympics? Um, yep. Went to the Olympics, came home, the pilot of the team. So the, you know, lady who used to drive the sled, she, it was her third Olympics. So she retired. Yeah. Um, now I kind of had two choices. One was to start my own team and learn to drive myself. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, try and find potentially like another international team to try and join, but that's obviously, you know, you need passports and visas and all sorts of stuff. So that's, that's a bit difficult. Now at the time I definitely considered learning to drive, but, um, the federation was not very supportive and behind me and it takes a shit ton of work and basically they were just treating uh, me as if I were going to be, you know, a brand new team. There was yeah. no recognition for anything that uh, we had done or been doing or achieved and, yeah, they just didn't really want to help out all that much. Yeah. So I kind of just said, well, you know, I don't really want to, it's hard enough training at a high level for any um, sport, you know, at, a, at an international level for any sport, let alone throw in, hey, suddenly you need to find a sled and a team and money and actually go learn to drive and find a place overseas to base yourself and this, that and the other. With no help, it was just like... Impossible. You know, yeah. Um, and to, to not even have any recognition for what we had done, even though, yes, I was going to be a new driver but theoretically not a new team when I had you know almost five years of experience behind me was a bit of a kick in the teeth so I just said well you know what I'm gonna give weightlifting a go yeah it's funny though because like you think that like everybody from the outside would be like oh you'll just find someone else to just slot in and take that spot but it's not like it's not like you just get the next fastest runner and you put them on. You have to like create that entire team and dynamic and teach someone how to use the sled. Like there's so many other things that go into that. hundred percent. Yeah. It was like, you know, all, even all the mechanics of the sled, like I had been racing for, you know, for the best part of four or five years. So I knew even how to set up a sled preparation prepare the sled, sorry, mm-hmm. for racing, prepare it for sliding, like storage, transport, all the things. Like there's a lot of logistics that goes into it. And, um, yeah, I guess I knew exactly what I was in for and knowing that I had no no help or support kind of, yeah, just made it, made it too much of a task to want to, you know, just continue on, on trying to, trying to do because it wasn't it wasn't going to be it wasn't going to be easy so and not that I'm necessarily someone to to shy away from things just because they're hard but I mean you know you can imagine what it sort of costs to have to probably like you know the easiest thing would have been to move myself overseas to try and continue to do something like that because obviously doing it based from Australia is pretty hard yeah um but yeah you know I was by that stage, you know, 24, 25, and that wasn't really what you, you want, what I wanted to do. Nah. Yeah. So. so you came back to Australia and did you start weightlifting straight away or was it something that you just kind of gradually went into or how did you get to fully competing in weightlifting? Yeah. So before, prior to the Olympics, I had actually gone to the gym that I am at now at Cougars Weightlifting Club and 
I had gone there to get help, basically, I guess, just to get a bit more out of my technique because we had the, you know, a couple of weightlifting movements that were part of our athletic testing. And I thought, you know, if I can get a little bit more out of myself um, that way, then why not? Yep. And that was the year uh, before I went to the Olympics. Well, the year leading into Olympics kind of thing. Um, yeah, and I just sort of went and actually found that I really enjoyed the, the couple of days a week that I was going there to get um, help with my technique and stuff. And I guess that kind of made the choice pretty easy coming home after that too, um, when things weren't really, you know, panning out with um, bobsledding. It sort of made it a bit of a no-brainer as to what I was going to give a go next. And, um, yeah, ended up back at the same gym. Haven't left. They haven't managed to get rid of me yet. (laughs) Nearly eight years later. (laughs) So, yeah, what started off as being a little bit of technical help ended up being, you know, the sport I've done the second longest behind uh, sprinting now. So, track and field. And um, when you first started, like what weight class were you in? Um, like what were you lifting at that point when you first started? Bloody hell. So I was started off as a 69 kilo yep. lifter. Um, yeah, I, I pretty much started as soon as I got back. I mean, I got back from Sochi from the Winter Olympics in like February and I think by March I, I started training um kind of full-time I guess for weightlifting but yeah I started off as a 69 kilo lifter I think my very first competition I did I went for like 55 snatch 75 kilo clean and jerk oh my god (laughs) I can't imagine a little baby (laughs) snatching 55 kilos that just well I mean I can but I I'm used to you like muscle snatching that for your (laughs) warm-up That's so funny. And you stayed a 69 for a pretty long time, hey? I did, yeah. Probably the best part of like four years, I guess. Um, As a 69, did you qualify for nationals? Did you qualify for like, you know, teams at that point as well? Yeah, so the first year I started um, lifting, I qualified for nationals by the, you know, end of the year. Yep. Um, all as a 69. I stayed 69 for quite a long time until basically we had Commonwealth Games trials, which was four years later, and it was partway through that sort of qualification year that in like 2017 that I decided to move up because it was just getting, you know, nobody does weightlifting and gets lighter, let's be honest. Um, (laughs) So it was just getting harder and harder to cut down to 69 to compete and my performance just started to, you know, uh, be hindered because of it. So, yeah, leading into Com Games trials, I guess, was when I just decided, you know, enough's enough. I'm sort of killing myself to try and make 69. Let's just move up. And at the time, the next category up was 75. So, yeah, I just kind of weighed what I weighed for a little bit. So I sat around, you know, 71, 72 kilos for quite a long time. Yeah. But I was, you know, more comfortable. See, it doesn't seem like um, it should have been such a big deal to cut to 69. But I think, you know, just after time and time and time again trying to cut down, it, it yeah, it eventually just wasn't. It's not working. Desir- it's not desirable at all to have to constantly like, you know, lose, you know, three kilos every time you have to do a competition. And at, at that point, you were probably competing a lot as well, I assume. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. doing a lot of back to back competitions with not much time between them. And it does like it might not that you know that one cut to 69 kilos might not affect you but having to do it and then stay at that weight for a prolonged period of time so you can Mm. do back-to-back competitions well that does end up you know putting a bit of a toll on you so it makes sense that yeah you went up and then as a 75 
how did you find that change for you? Like just being able to train at the weight and lift at the weight that you sat at normally. Do you think that that made a big difference? Yeah, it definitely. I think even just, you know, mentally like helped things along a lot because uh, it just seemed that towards the end, you know, every time I was nearer, you know, getting nearer to a competition and trying to cut and this and that, like training would just start to go well or, you know, start to, to be going well and then I'd have to start cutting again into the next competition and then by the time I get to competition, my performance was just, you know, it it was it was just not improving, you know, and you don't train all that time and put all that effort into just then cut weight and not improve when you get to comp. So, yeah, definitely, like, within the first couple of competitions, I made quite big improvements. Um, but it just really allowed my training to progress, to not have to worry for however long um, about cutting weight at all. So... Yeah, it definitely made training a lot more enjoyable and, you know, just a lot more progress in things that way. Yeah. And um, and your, with your food, you obviously follow, uh, you know, uh, a pretty strict, like, nutritional guide um, to make sure that you're getting enough food in. Have you, is that something you've done through your entire athletic career or is it only really, you know, the last eight years that you've been weightlifting? Um, so when I was in track and field, I mean, I was pretty young. I was all, you know, I was in school, high school kind of thing. So it was really nothing too serious. It was just about making sure you're eating properly, you know, you're growing all at the same time. So, um, nothing was too crazy with that. I think by the time I got like in the latter part of my sprinting career, I, it was more of like a body weight thing, I guess. A little bit where you know I knew what my optimum body weight was to raise that so but it was it was very easy as you know you know what yeah. it's like when you're a teenager a high school kid it's super easy you you just walk around and eat whatever you want and weigh nothing so it was fine <laughs> <laughs> um and you know when you're running that much like it was it was pretty cruisy as a bobsledder then though going from you know my optimum sprinting weight sprinting race weight sorry being you know around 58 to 60 kilos um going into bobsledding where suddenly it was like well you're really light and you need to be a lot heavier was a pretty big transition yeah uh to try and get my head around because suddenly it was like well you need to eat and you need to eat a lot but you need to eat well yeah not that I think I've ever really eaten particularly bad but I guess that was my first introduction to hey you need to put on size yeah um which I think yeah in the first couple of years was was a little bit of a uh mind game with myself but I mean yeah once you you know you just sort of start to get bigger and stronger and you see your body changing I mean start to appreciate it for what it can do rather than how it looks so I think that then made it much easier for going into weightlifting when I first started out. I then just weighed whatever I weighed naturally. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, as I said, it started to just get too hard. And a similar thing, I guess, I went through with, you know, trying to, okay, well, if I'm going up a category from 69 to 75, we need to actually just start eating accordingly and, and eat to get a bit bigger and a bit stronger. and. Um, a sort of similar process happened I guess yeah. so not super strict but you know you don't want to be just putting on mindless kilos because that's not helping anyone so yeah it was just really geared towards getting getting a bit more solid and a bit a bit stronger you know yeah I mean I can't I can like I can't imagine going from like being mm. a sprinter who's got to be so light having to completely change the way that you like mm. think about your body and what it needs to be able to do and yeah. the fact that you really have to change your focus from, you know, it doesn't matter what I look like, I've got to perform at a certain level and I've got to be able to do a certain thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Like, I went from being, you know, 60 kilos to by the time I sort of went or finished up in bobsledding, I was like, you know, between 70, 72. Yeah. So, yeah, in sort of five, uh, 
yeah, five years, it was like a, a 10 kilo, you know, increase in, in body mass. So pretty, um, yeah, pretty wild. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess that was the biggest learning curve. But, yeah, I, like, as I said, it made it much easier coming into weightlifting then. I just gave my body a chance to just settle down, not try and be, you know, when I moved into weightlifting, not try and be heavy, not try and be light, just see what it sat at. And yeah, yeah, sort of 68, 69 was where it was for a good good couple of years until that sort of started to get harder again and moved up. Yeah, and so you were, over the last few years, you were going through the qualification period for, like, to be able to qualify for the Olympics for weightlifting. Um, yeah. And um, was that process equally as hard as the last time you tried to qualify for the Olympics or was it different or how is, how do those two experiences compare? Like trying to qualify for one Olympics for one sport and another, like, was it hard equally or? Jeez, hmm. uh, this Olympic process for weightlifting, I would actually say was, I mean, maybe the recency effect, but harder. Um, yeah. So with, with bobsledding, you know, being a team thing, we basically just had to race week to week in the World Cup circuit and earn enough points to qualify us a spot to make the Olympics. Now, then once we've qualified a spot, who actually goes on the team and pushes in the race then just becomes an internal, like, team qualification thing. So... Yeah. You know, I think racing every week and making sure that, you know, we, we got, we placed well enough to get, get the points and all of that sort of thing. But, you know, it's a team, it's still a team effort as well. Um, where, yeah, I guess this Olympic process was a little bit similar for weightlifting. We had to do in an 18 month period, six, at least six qualification events and they all equated to points as well like our total based on what body weight category we lifted in got converted into what they call roby points and they all accumulated over the um sort of three sectors in the 18 months now it basically worked out to be like two competitions per three month uh six month period sorry yeah um which doesn't sound like a lot but when you split it up, you know, you're sort of competing once every three months. Yeah. But it didn't, it doesn't, you know, you have to just compete when the competitions arise. And now majority of those were international events. So it's not as if you can go, oh, well, I'm going to stagger it perfectly one every 12 weeks. Like, no, it just has to be two that fall within this six-month period, another two that fall within this six-month period. Yeah. And another two. So there was a point there where I was competing once every what felt like eight weeks. Um, started off my first qualification event was in Darwin at the Arafira Games. What qualified me to go to the Pacific Games in Samoa. Um, so that was April. And then by July, we were in Samoa. And then in October, I was in San Diego doing another event and then by December I was in Doha in Qatar doing another event and then back to February we were in Canberra doing the Oz Open which was our you know kind of last event before COVID hit and absolutely rooted the whole world <laughs> um, but yeah I got I got five comps in so yeah, it was it was pretty full on. Um, I guess anyone that that does compete in weightlifting knows how hard it is to to peak for a competition, let alone to constantly peak and to travel internationally and just have to compete, 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 and be doing your best totals every time. You know, so. And this is the big yeah that was that was the white like I wanted you to explain it because when you first told it to me, I was like, what. <laughs> Mm. you had to do what like the the amount of like time and energy and 
pain to travel and get overseas and then you know be okay with time changes and like mm. there is and I know like people do it for all different sports but it was just like I was so blown away by how hard it was and how much you were doing that whole qualification period only to have COVID kind of just wreck it for everyone. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, we'd all been, it was just like push, push, push. And yeah, we all had one more event to go, which was meant to be our Oceania's and it was supposed to be, I think like April and yeah, we got to February and COVID, COVID hit and just shut the whole world down. And um, yeah, everything that we had just done kind of, yeah, it just, just went to shit really. Um, and we never ended up getting our final qualification event. It, um, you know, with COVID and all the things, obviously Olympics got postponed a year and they just basically drew a line in the sand of where everyone was at after those five events yeah. and select, selected from there. Yeah. It, um, yeah, just what do you do? Like that was the process, so. Yeah. Now you, um, so obviously you went through that. We went into COVID. What did your training look like when you were, you know, during COVID? Obviously you continued mm-hmm. to train through that whole period. Like you, you know, how was that? How was that experience for you? Yeah. Um, initially it was a massive shock to the system because it was like, you know, COVID hit, no one's going anywhere. No one's even leaving the house, let alone getting on another plane to go to another event, you know? So it was like, what? the fuck do we do now you know um it took me probably like two weeks I reckon to get my head around what you know like it was just like what do I do now what what what, we don't we have no answers for anything we can't even leave our house let alone what's the next competition what's the next this when's olympics what's all these questions that nobody had answers to so I think I, after about, you know, a few days, um, reset up. So cleaned out a space in my garage, reset up all my training stuff in my garage and just slowly just, you know, started doing sessions again, um, a little bit aimlessly it felt like, but for the first time in, you know, a year, I actually had a minute to go, well, hang on a second. I don't know when I'm going to compete next and I don't have to compete in another eight weeks. So I can dial things right back and actually work on the things that have been frustrating me throughout this whole process. So I think after a couple of weeks, once I got my head around, okay, well, we're not going anywhere. We're not doing anything. We're just stuck in, in, in the house and in the garage. Um, it was actually a really good opportunity to, well, A, let my body, you know, um, not relax as such, but, you know, relax from constant competing, 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 traveling, competing, you know, and just to actually go back to enjoying training again and having not necessarily a competition or a goal in mind, but a purpose in training as far as hey well let's fix this bit of my technique that's bothering me or let's work on on this bit of strength that I'm lacking or you know so yeah it was a really good chance to just actually get in and do some some what felt like meaningful sort of solid training I mean meaningful in one way and then not meaningful in another not knowing when the hell you're going to be able to use any of it but yeah it's like yeah um, it was good to have like the ability to focus on some of your weaknesses, but it was frustrating because you didn't know when you were going to be able to, you know, implement them next because you didn't know when that next competition was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, so you got, we end up, sorry, you go, you got through COVID and you did all your training and everything like that. And once you came out of COVID, when was your first competition? Um, I don't exactly know when we came out of lockdown, but it feels like we came out of lockdown and just like a week later did a competition. I actually <laughs> feel like that's exactly we... what we did. <laughs> I know. 
vibe. It feels like it was like sweet uh, doors are open, fucking comp. So yeah. all of us, you know, everyone that was training for the Olympics, um, we had kind of set up our own little, you know, COVID cup competition that we were all just doing out of our garage and filming lifts and and sharing and and it was just a dumb little comp, but it just kept us all you know, just, just, just some, some form of competition and, and keeping us, you know, some, in some way motivated to train. But, um, yeah, we came out of lockdown. It felt like we competed straight away. We all did some pretty um, massive PBs and, and, and big numbers and stuff, which was really cool to see because, you know, it sort of highlighted the fact that um, we had been just slogging ourselves for the last year and, and that little bit of dial back uh, really allowed some of us to, to sort of thrive again. Um, but yeah, that was about July, 2020, I think that I did my first comp out of lockdown. And then I did another comp in September, which was, you know, just a bit of fun leading into States that was in the beginning of October. And I, in the September competition, did a snatch that I lost behind me. Mm-hmm. One arm kind of locked out, the other arm kind of didn't. And I sort of at the time somewhat felt like I injured my shoulder. Didn't feel like anything terribly major, but anyway, training, I just kept training on it, training towards states and that all sort of wasn't really getting better. And I decided to do States anyway and I did one snatch at States and I tore my long haired biceps tendon <laughs> off my shoulder. I remember that point <laughs> from after you did that comp and then in training. I like you are like bulletproof in your training sessions. I've never <laughs> seen you like grab your knees or like be like, oh my elbow hurts. I've never seen you do that <laughs> ever with anything. And this was the first time where you were like Fuck this night. You were like, you had felt. It's broken. Yeah. It's broken. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was definitely not not attached anymore. (laughs) Um, Yeah, look, leading into that, obviously I saw physios, my regular physio, this and that. I think it was just one of those things I had, I lost the snatch. It it was definitely not something that, was niggling me in training or anything beforehand and I do really believe it was just that one snatch in comp like I said my my um well the arm that I injured it just locked out the other one didn't I lost the snatch behind and you know caused whatever trauma I caused I think at that point then probably you know maybe if I got a scan they would have picked something up maybe they didn't I just kept training on it getting it treated but yeah, basically get it treated and then try and train again and it'd be okay for like a day. Um, and then it just start hurting again. And then, you know, so training was all over the place at that point, really, really adjusted. Um, but yeah, I just sort of, I don't know, something in me just said, well, I'm the only real way I'm going to test it out is by lifting in comp because, you know, you can... You can be somewhat reserved in, in training and it's it's a little bit different where in comp, I think even if you don't lift necessarily to your max, um, you just have the adrenaline and the atmosphere and all the things going on. And, yeah, it's snapped. So <laughs> sounds um, yeah, I mean, it sounds, it sounds shit talking about it, but to be honest, it's probably for the injury that I had, you know, being a tendon injury, it was probably the best kind of result because it just meant okay it snapped off you need surgery to go in reattach this is your rehab it just made a very like I guess clear plan of what rehab was going to be moving forward and how long did your rehab take yep so I had surgery on like the 22nd I think of October yep so I did it early in October and by like, you know, a week and a half later, I, I was booked in um, to have surgery. I had a sling on for, was meant to be a lot longer, but about 10 days for about as long as I had stitches in. Yep. Um, and after that time, I just sort of said like, I need to not 
keep this as still as everyone wants me to. So I went into physio and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't allowed to use my arm, but basically was allowed to start like, you know, taking it out the sling and letting sort of gravity stretch it out and, and things like that. But yeah, I think the first sort of four to six weeks because they had to reattach my tendon by drilling an anchor back into my bone and reattaching the tendon to the anchor that way. Yeah. They had to sort of um, use a window of six weeks allowable for my bone to heal properly so that, you know, anything I did, it wasn't going to just pull it pull it straight back out. So the first six weeks was super minimal, like of introducing movements back in very slowly, which was just like simple, you know, bicep curls. And and initially it was really just assisted movements. So I was just moving my one arm with my other arm and that progressed into, like I said, simple like bicep curls and then adding a little tiny, you know, one kilo, two kilo dumbbells in, um, I was doing some, what are, what's the, you know, the air pressure? Occlusion therapy, the blood flow restriction. Yeah, the blood flow restriction stuff I was doing, which is the same thing, just the simple bicep um, curls with with the blood flow restrictor on. And then sort of at about the six, seven week mark when they were pretty, you know, satisfied that nothing was going to happen with, with, or be interfered with the actual bone anymore. Um, I was able to start lifting things off the floor again, which was still very slow movements, but like simple deadlifts with not much weight, but, you know, just simple deadlift type movements and things like that to sort of let it, you know, I guess start taking a bit more weight, but, um, that progressed pretty quickly. And by the eight week mark, I was kind of, you know, doing Olympic lifting movements again with just a bar. So once we got past that first sort of six weeks of, of being, you know, worried about my bone being fragile or not healed, um, correctly, things moved pretty, pretty quickly from there. So, and then, so eight weeks, what was, how long did it take from that eight week point to basically, back lifting pretty close to or you know your old numbers oh well that's a good question i feel like it wasn't that long like i feel <laughs> like i know like it probably felt long to you but i feel like watching it i was like you just came back so like methodically just kind of felt like it happened really quickly. And all of a sudden you were back at your normal training weights. And I was like, how'd this happen? (laughs) I think um, there was a lot of weeks there of just, you know, drilling and and super lightweight, nothing, you know, I think I had percentages that I had to keep for sort of two week periods, which was like, you know, 30, 30%, 40%, 50%. And then once we hit like, sort of 60 70 80 percent range comfortably then it was like well you're fine you it's all you now you just you know so um golly by december as in going into christmas and i guess coming back out the new year i had basically been given the all clear like from my physio and stuff to sort of say Yep. Obviously not like, hey, let's just go fucking max out. But yeah. basically you can now just move into training as normal. So Yeah. And um then once you were fully recovered, did did you have a competition quite quickly after that recovery or um like when you were lifting normally again or how long was it until you competed? I'm just trying to think because we were supposed to have our postponed Oceanias from April 2020 yeah. happen again in April 21. So I was trying to prepare for that because it had been postponed and this, that and the other along with everything else with COVID. Yeah. So that was what I was preparing or trying to get back in shape for. But 
COVID was still menacing everything and it ended up getting pushed way back anyway. But I believe I did a comp first back from surgery in about June. Mm. Um, and yeah, first comp back. I had been training the whole time and building up. Like I said, I was sort of preparing myself for Oceania's in April, which didn't eventuate. So I think I then... I think it was June. It was either May or June that I did a competition and I then, because everything got postponed, had to sort of re-qualify myself on the Australian team, so to do B grade again. And, yeah, I came out and did the comp in May May or June and re-qualified myself back on the Oceania team. So, So in the space of a year and a half, we went through a pandemic where you had to do training in your garage. You had surgery on your bicep <laughs> and then you came back and requalified as B grade for the Aussie team. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, welcome so to in- my life. <laughs> that is so insane. I can't believe that. Like, saying that out loud like I know I've been through like the whole process with you but it's just like it's everything that you do is so (laughs) and like to get to the point that you have to to be where you are is like the amount of work I don't think people quite fathom how hard it is and how much time and energy you have to put into it on top of like being away in a weight class and getting all of like the you know you qualifying totals and you're not only qualified for just one weight class you qualified for two weight classes yeah yep so (laughs) i came back and just qualified at whatever i was weighing at the time i didn't want to put the extra pressure on myself of hey let's do let's come back from surgery first comp back let's do b grade and let's cut weight so i gave myself a little bit of extra time and i think maybe a month later Uh, it wasn't terribly long later but maybe like a month or so later i qualified then cut weight and qualified in the category um down so yeah i've been sort of floating between two categories at the minute this year again in preparation for you know trying to qualify for com games and just giving myself you know two categories to float between because obviously that gives me an extra chance at qualifying so yeah um i guess after that coming out of that we finally got to do our postponed oceanias which was online yeah in september and i won you did so <laughs> i remember you being like did i win <laughs> did I was like you won, oh, I won and you were like did i <laughs> that's a bonus <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's a bit strange on the, the the online competition format, but you know, hey, it's it's allowed us to keep competing, um, uh, when you know we we couldn't otherwise. So yeah, now yeah, there's been a lot of learning. Your next competition is obviously Worlds, and this is in uh, like a qualifier for the Com Games. Yeah, so the online Oceanias was our first qualifier. Yep. Um, which was, yeah, a bit of a first, having a qualification event be held as an online event. It's not normally, um, it's, yeah, normally unheard of. So anyway, that was our first qualification event, um, which we only really found out like a week or two before that it was actually going to be approved to be counted as a qualification event. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, that then I guess has has qualified us all and put us in a position to, um, we were supposed to have, so World Championships is going to be combined with our Commonwealth Championships. So initially Commonwealth Championships were meant to be in October in Singapore, but same thing because of COVID, it got, um, you know, canned out of Singapore. Singapore government announced they didn't want to have any international events until the end of the year. Yeah. So, yeah, they just decided to merge it with Worlds, which is coming up in December, and that's all been pretty, you know, we've known about it for a little bit now, but it, it, it all sort of came about pretty 
you know, as things do with COVID, um, it was up in the air for, for quite a, a while until, yeah, they just made the decision to merge them. So, yeah, rather than having the, the two events to qualify in now, we've, we've only got the one, I guess, per se. But, yeah, this will be a pretty, um, pretty big, important, you know, could be a decisive one for us. But, um, yeah, I'm just... Just got to get them, you know, we're finally at least going to get there now and, and, and have a go. So if you, if you, to qualify for Commonwealth Games, what do you have to do at Worlds? Mm. So the winner of Commonwealth Championships in each category yep. will get an automatic spot. Well, yep. I say automatic, but we'll get a basically spot um regardless of if somebody beats them in a later qualification event if they win commonwealth championships for their category they get a spot yeah so there's that one factor um now the rest of it is just really as a as an australian team we have to end up at the end of all the qualification events we have to end up in the top six in the Commonwealth, it was the top eight originally. We've since been informed it's now the top six in the Commonwealth for our body weight category, and we have to be number one in Australia for that same category yep. to, to be selected. And this is another one of those things where I'm like, it's not as easy as just rocking up to a qualifying competition and lifting weights and being like, I did it. Like I did the thing. Like, give me the spot now. There's so much more that goes into it, like behind the scenes that I don't think people, not a lot of people know about. Even the people in the sport, I could tell you plenty of people that do weightlifting and they compete and they would not even understand the slightest of process that you guys have to go to for those high international qualifying events. And yeah. it's so much more than like anything else that I've ever seen or experienced or heard of as well. Like, I feel like they're really just, they're really making you guys work with those spots. I know. It's like, we've got to qualify on the Australian team to get to the events, to get to the qualification events that are going to qualify us to get to things like Com Games. So, you know, I guess the first step is making the Australian team put yourself in a position to then, you know, make the qualification events to then be able to be in a position to try and qualify for something like Olympics or Com Games. So Olympics Com Games is always a really convoluted process, <laughs> um, which, yeah, you just got to go along for that ride and, and hope you come out on top, which, yeah, sometimes is, it's pretty hard. The, the, you know, battle of what body weight category should I go in i mean for some people it's really clear cut they can only be one one category yeah and that's fine you just give it your best shot but for me it's like i sort of sit between two so gives me an extra opportunity but it also makes it hard to sort of decide you know what's going to be the best option uh, moving forward you know am i better off being here and better off being there all the things like you know ending up top six in the commonwealth um so yeah it's not it doesn't end up just being one target total a lot of the time it ends up being a lot of different factors that you've got to weigh up and and be like right okay i'm sitting about here but i need to kind of do this much more yeah or yeah so well i know i have been you know witnessing your training and how hard you've been working over the last you know, 12 to 18 months. And I'm, you know, I'm super excited to see how you go at Worlds. And I know, like, you always bring your A game. So it's going to be so good to watch you guys go over there and do that. And, you know, we've uh, been very lucky. We did a GoFundMe for you to get you to Worlds. Mm. And um, we had such an awesome response. Like, I can't even... Amazing. We're like... No. You just Overwhelming. couldn't even like believe the amount of support that we got from everyone. Um, no, I didn't, I didn't have cried this many <laughs> times as what I have since this GoFundMe started. People I just, never, yeah, they're not in a bad way. I mean, I've questioned a lot of things in the last, in the last uh, couple of months, but yeah, definitely everyone's support has been so 
intensely overwhelming. Um, yeah, which is, you know, it's 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 definitely given me a little bit of um, extra something to to you know walk in the gym with. Um, yeah. In this build up towards worlds, yeah. So. Yeah, it'll be my like, first worlds. So weightlifting too. Oh wow, so good! I didn't know it was your first one. It's just like, yeah. I, I, you know, we underestimate. Like people are like oh well you'll just go like the government will pay for everything or whatever it is because you're a high and it just doesn't work like that so you know no. I know how grateful you are and I'm very you know I'm so glad that we got the opportunity to um let everybody support you because I know how much everybody does support you and does back you mm. and we want to see you do really well so um yeah I'm excited but we might uh leave that there because if we keep going, we might be here all night. <laughs> yeah. It's already been an hour and 10 minutes. Wow. Really? Yeah. Hey, look, we can, we can always do a part two if anyone's um, interested well, no. to hear me keep waffling. <laughs> we'll do a part two when you get back from Worlds. Oh, yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Great idea. All right. Well, we'll leave it there, guys. And um, if you've got any questions or there's anything you want to talk to Eb about, feel free to uh, shoot her a message or you can send uh, an email through to me and I can give, give that to her, pass it on. Um, but you guys will be able to find this podcast up on Spotify and on iTunes in hopefully the next two days. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.